Humanizing History is a show about people in history that have had an impact on our world. We will be exploring what made them important, but our main focus will be on who that person was outside of well-known records. We will be diving deep into who these people were, what they hated, who they loved, and other less-known information about their lives. In order to show the world that no one is perfect, we are all human and make mistakes. But that doesn't mean we can't be great and have a profound impact on tomorrow. Welcome to Humanizing History. This is your host, Nick Downey. And this is the other host, Cliff Boone. Just remember, he's the other host. I'm just kidding. We are both (laughs) equally in charge of this bad boy. But anyway, uh, everybody, thank you for listening in to today's show. Uh, Cliff, how you doing? You know, I'm not doing too bad. Just coming off the weekend. It was real nice and relaxing. Got some stuff done. Nice. Got to relax a bit, though, too. And then uh, just... You know, pulled an all dayer at work today. How about cool. you? It was it was a good weekend. Me and my dad, we went to a car show. I sent you that picture of that Corvette. Yeah. And that thing was awesome. So we went to our church that we go to had a car show. And I was just thinking, oh, it's going to be this rinky-dink, like, crappy little car show that the church is putting on. Have a potluck or whatever. And it ended up being like a legit car show. It had 200 plus cars. Oh, wow. It was, you know, ranging everywhere from, you know, 2017, 2019 Corvettes to 1920 model, was it Model A? I mean, really cool cars. We were there for two, three hours. We were expecting there to be there like a half an hour. And tons of tons of fun. Car guys are a weird breed. So every Saturday, they'll go to the exact same car yep. show. But then there's some of them that they travel the country mm-hmm. just like on car show circuits. Like they're yep. part of a circus. They yep. just go, oh, we're going to hit New Mexico. And then we're in four places in Texas. Then we're heading over to Louisiana. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And that's what they do with their life. Is right. They drive their car, yeah. this classic car around the country and open the hood and let people look at it. It was nuts. And some of the cars, you know, I'd never heard of or seen before, but it was really cool going with my dad. He just had all these stories about this, you know, this cousin had this car, this neighbor had this car, and this was the first car my parents, I remember my parents having and all that stuff and having like backstories because I feel like cars in our generation weren't really that big of a thing. Like they were, but it's not like everybody was able to afford a Mustang. When Mustangs and such came out, they weren't that expensive. They were a few thousand dollars. Yeah. Now you want to get a brand new Mustang and you're dropping, you know, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars. That's just about any car. Unless right. you get some Kia that's I don't know, what is the tiny little car they have? Uh, Sorento or something. Something like that. If you get this little tiny, basically disposable car, you can look at, you know, twelve, fifteen grand. But they're not cool. No, of course not. Back then, you could get a Nova or a Chevelle or a Mustang. And you hear all the time, oh, yeah, my first car was a Mustang. I worked at the Burger King for, you know, a summer and was able to afford it. It's like, we didn't get that. It was, yeah. we, we got these hand-me-down pieces of junk, but it's all good. But, yeah, I don't know. There's, you're right. There's not a lot of cool cars that are in the price range for people younger than us. Right. Like when we were in high school. But I know Scion really tried to do that. They did. They and tried they had to a make, few cool cars. Yeah. They, they tried to make their cars customizable right? so that, like, you'd go in and you'd buy your Scion and then, then you'd 
you know, while it's being detailed for you to pick up, you're going to go into the showroom and you're going to pick out, oh, I want these rims and I want this, I don't know, LED kit for the floor and blah, 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 blah. And I don't know, it just looks so cheap and stupid that it never really took off, thank God. Right, right. But Well, and also, I feel like the popular cars when we were in high school were the imports, like Toyotas and Hondas Civics. and all that. Everyone Civ- wanted a Civic. Yep, yep. In our dad's time, it was muscle cars. You wanted the the Mustangs, you wanted the Novas, the Chevelles, the good, solid American-made cars. What is your dream car? Well, my dream car... What is your attainable dream car? My attainable dream car? If I'm going old car, I would say... I don't know what year, but I really like Novas. I I love Novas. Newer cars, and you're going to think it might be a little bit too expensive, but actually the new 2020 and 2021 Corvettes are about... like You can get a base model. I think it was like 60000 Sure. Which is still a lot of money, but... Some of these, you know, exotic sports cars like Ferraris and things you're like that. Millions of dollars. Yeah, you're looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars. What about okay. you? Seventy-one Nova Coupe. Before my kid was born, I was looking for a project car, and I wanted an eighty-seven IROC Z because my birth year, yeah. right? And then IROC Z, international race champions, awesome. I found one, but it was just burned out. The, there was a fire in the engine, oh, wow. and it okay. was bad. So we left, you know, and then I found this guy that was selling two Novas. One of them had a V6 in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one had a 350 in it, but it was like a track car. Mm-hmm. So they had just beat the, beat crap, the crap out, out of it. Of it. Yeah. They cut holes in the in the oh, geez. hood so they could have their blower there. And right. it was like with an angle grinder. They didn't even really care. <laughs> oh, so it was geez. just all wonky and everything. Yeah. Um, but he was going to sell both of them. Mm-hmm. And I'd use one for a parts car, throw the 350 in it, the one with the V6, make it nice. Yeah. We had a deal. I went to the bank to get money. Found out my wife was pregnant. (laughs) Put the money right back in the bank. Gave the guy a call, said, hey, look. I'm going to be a dad. Please trust me. I'm not just throwing you a line of crap. Yeah. My wife's pregnant. (laughs) I got to save this money. Yeah. And I hope he understood. Yeah, he was cool about okay, it, but yeah, cool. yeah, it was just one of those things where stars aligned right. That's crazy. Get another your day, dream car. It would have been different, right? You know how? Just think how screwed you would have been if you would have gone through it. Well, I mean, it, granted, not that a few thousand dollars is nothing. Yeah, but it, it was like two grand. It was oh, like okay. twenty five hundred bucks. I don't remember exactly really? how much it was. It was under three grand. These cars were beat to okay. crap, Nick. Okay, they were rolling chassis. The engines were locked oh, up, geez. so it wasn't anything crazy. <laughs> it was it was a shell. Yeah. To work on but that's what that's what you you start with a shell and you can do whatever you want yeah. with it for instance one of the cars that we saw it was a roadrunner oh wow those are rare yes yeah, so it was a roadrunner body though they put it onto a 2017 dodge charger okay so the outside vintage beautiful like orange color black racing stripes and you go in and it was like all brand new interior brand and it was it was it was a cool you know Mesh yeah. um, of, of the new mod. and the old. Yeah, it was really cool. Those are cool. I know a lot of guys like to keep, you know, matching serial numbers and they want mm-hmm. everything to be perfect in the way it used to be. I tend to lean more towards the resto mod thing. Yeah. I like having Bluetooth. I like having a stereo that sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. And you just couldn't get it back in the 70s. Yeah. So, yeah, you throw a nice a couple amps and some good subs in there and make it nice, make it sound good. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. Throw a newer engine in there. <laughs> you know, go from an LS to or an LT to an LS. Yep. Yeah, there's yep. nothing wrong with it. Exactly, exactly. Well, we are way off topic for uh, what, we, we what we're talking about today. Well, so what are we going to be talking about today? So, 
when this comes out, we'll be about a week away from St. Patrick's Day. Okay. And when I when you think of St. Patrick's Day, what do you think about? Ooh, drinking beer. Yeah, drinking beer. And uh, the Boondock Saints. Boon- oh, great movie. My favorite movie ever. We could probably go into another 30-minute rant about how great that was. Fan of the second one or not? Love the second you one, You like too. the second one, too? I Can't like the second one. Can't wait the third one. It, let's see. Was it 10 years between the two movies? Oh, jeez. I think it was more than that. Because didn't the first one come out in like 99? Ooh, I don't remember. But I remember the second one coming out. I have both of them. I love those movies. Same. Uh, and, and, yeah. Will we ever see a third? Probably not. But fingers crossed. Yeah, right after we see Half-Life 3. <laughs> but they have the VR version. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so I, I do think... You know, Ireland. I think obviously, you know, Saint Patrick is is Irish, or we think he's Irish. Is Saint Patrick's not Irish? We'll talk about that. Okay. Yeah. So I, it was just one of those things where I've been celebrating Saint Patrick's Day since I can remember. You know, Downey is an Irish last name. My ancestors came directly from Ireland, so I love Saint Patrick's Day. I I, I used to kind of celebrate it all of March. I used to listen to like, <laughs> and not like drinking and stuff, but the Celtic music and Celtic rock or just, you know, straight up Celtic music, listening into it for the whole month and kind of embracing the heritage. And I was just thinking about it. I was like, well, what is St. Who is St. Patrick? What is he all about? And does the average person know who he is? Like when I say St. Patrick, what do you think? Um, the only thing I can think of as St. Patrick is that he's the guy that led the snakes out of Ireland. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, kind of like Moses. He controls snakes. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess Moses had the staff yeah. turn into snakes. Okay. Exactly. Except we'll talk about that, and it may or may not be true. But oh, okay. I think if you were to ask the average person who St. Patrick was or why they we celebrate St. Patrick's Day, they would have no idea. And, I mean, even the whole drinking aspect of, of St. Patrick's Day... That's fairly new. Like, St. Patrick's Day was like a dry holiday in, in Ireland for ages until recently. Now it's just, let's grab a Guinness and get crazy. Cool. Sounds so. good. So are there actually snakes in Ireland? No. No? Wow. Okay. Because right. of St. Patrick, of course. Is it, though? Now you got me questioning. <laughs> so before we start, a joke, if you would. Sure. An Irish joke. Okay. How many potatoes does it take to kill an Irishman? Uh, zero. None. None. <laughs> Another crazy thing. Potatoes are not native to Ireland. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, they were actually brought over from South America, I believe. So, I mean, until very recently did they have potatoes. Hmm. So, when did Columbus come over here? 1492? So, it had to have been after that. 1392? 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Okay. Then killed everybody. But... <laughs> That's not how the rhyme goes, but you know, with cancel culture, history goes. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> I, I think I will cover Columbus. Chris, Columbus at some point, or any it. So, Columbus, Cortez, like you go into all of those explorers, yeah, explorers with the quote marks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, let's go into the life of Saint Patrick. Let's do it now. I'm gonna just put a, a little bit of a, a warning here. It's not as interesting as I thought it was going to be, but still wanted to get to know this person, see if we're actually celebrating the holiday correctly, and just kind of give people an idea of who St. Patrick was. So are we going to be running into like a Helen Keller type of deal here where it's nothing really majorly bad, nothing to really come back from? Yeah, not a ton. Themselves? There are a couple, a couple things that 
I don't want to say it was a redeeming quality. Like, it wasn't anything redeeming, but he did have a really tough teenage years that we'll talk about that I would have never guessed. Um, Oh, no. He didn't read the Turner Diaries, did he? No, he didn't read the Turner Diaries. Yeah, didn't blow anything up. All right, well. Okay, let's get on. Let's jump into it. Cool. So, you know, like I mentioned... The reason why I wanted to do this is because every year on March 17th, uh, people from around the world, we celebrate St. Patrick's Day. And, you know, it's kind of this Irish Heritage Day, or it's kind of transformed into this Irish Heritage Day. Um, you know, what what do you do on St. Patrick's Day? Do you have any traditions? or No, okay. no. So usually St. Patrick's Day rolls around uh, the week that I have off of work. Okay. The job I currently have. So I'd have a week of just drinking. Okay. Just because I had a week off. <laughs> I've always wanted to do the March 17th Flog and Molly concert they oh, have. I've but I've always never done wanted it. to do that. Let's If they ever do it again, let's go. I'm down. Tempe Town Lake. It's, it, same thing. Always have always wanted to do that. So, But other than that, nothing. Just, just sit yeah. at home. What about you? What do you do? So once I hit the 21 age, I would typically go to you know an Irish pub uh, with my friends. Uh, I was also for, like, I love cooking, so for a few years there, it was always corned beef um, and cabbage. Like, I would make sure, like, a week before, get a big old thing of corned beef, do the whole recipe, all that stuff. Uh, like I said, St. Patrick's Day, I just wanted to really focus in on my Irish heritage, because I love going to Irish festivals and all of that. So, I'd, I'd have fun with it, and I wouldn't get too crazy, but yeah, I, I, I always loved celebrating it. Did you ever do haggis? Well, haggis is Scottish, but... Oh, I thought it was Irish. Mm-mm, it's oh, Scottish. sorry. My American's showing. Sorry. Anyway, I have not because it sounds disgusting. Have you? So you've done it? No, no. It does sound I'm disgusting. Because I've been to a few Scottish festivals, too, and I'm trying to think if I had haggis. I think I may have. I've definitely had my fair share of Scottish eggs, which are delicious. Never heard of it. So it's a, like a hard-boiled or soft-boiled egg wrapped in... Uh, like spiced sausage and thing, and then breaded and deep fried. Oh my gosh. It's delicious. So Scotland, the birthplace of diabetes. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. So that, that's, you know, I think there's a lot of different crazy traditions that we see for, for St. Patrick's day. Honestly, I've heard a lot of varieties of why we celebrate it. You know, I've heard people think that it's like Ireland's independence from England. I've heard, you know, he killed all the snakes in Ireland. Like you said, that's a very common story that we hear. But I really just wanted to figure out what was true, why we celebrate, and we're going to take a look at that tonight. Cool. So, first thing I want to talk about is St. Patrick is this patron saint of Ireland. So, you would think, okay, St. Patrick, he's Irish, right? The Apostle of Ireland. He was actually not Irish at all. Not a lick of Irish in him. Uh, He came to fame because of his missionary work in Ireland, but he was actually born outside of the country. Uh, St. Patrick's birth name was Maywin Suckett. (laughs) Yes, Suckett. S-U-C-C-A-T. How how else would you say that? Suckett? Probably Suckett, not Suckett. (laughs) I'm sorry. It caught me off guard. (laughs) Maywin Sakat. So Saint Sucket. <laughs> so why didn't they? <laughs> oh, that... No wonder they hit Saint. No, Patrick. yeah, no wonder they went with Patrick. <laughs> Sucket just didn't sound good. Anyway, he was born a long ass time ago. He was born in 386 A.D. 
Okay. In in Britain, uh, Britain at this time was under Roman rule. Uh, Saint Patrick's father. Uh, gosh, I'm gonna butcher this. Calphurnius. Calphurnius was from a high-standing Roman family and was actually a deacon in the Catholic Church. Also, his mother, Concessa, was related to the great patron Saint Martin of Tours. And to add even more background, his grandfather, Pontius, was a clergyman. Uh, so, grew up in a very Catholic, religious environment. Okay, that makes sense that he'd become a saint. Which is interesting. We'll talk about it a bit later, but uh, a lot of changes happened. And even though he was raised in a Catholic and very religious setting. He himself wasn't very religious until later in life. Um, but yeah, he was in fact British and Roman and actually wouldn't even set foot inside of Ireland until he was 16 years old. Okay, that's still pretty young. Fairly young, yeah. For that time, I think it was a little bit old, but, you know, I just thought that was crazy. I always thought, you know, the blood of green runs through this guy, but it doesn't. He, he was not Irish at all. Yeah, well, if he was here right now, he'd tell you to suck it. <laughs> He's as Irish as anybody. I'm Irish. Suck it. <laughs> so that was Scottish, so great. My Irish ancestors are rolling in their grave right now. So St. Patrick obviously went to Ireland at one point, but he did not go to Ireland willingly at first. Although Patrick is known today as the Apostle of Ireland, he did not come to Ireland under his own accord. Early in the 5th century AD, the Roman Empire, this is when the Roman Empire was kind of starting to fall and crumble. So this made the outermost regions like Britain very vulnerable because they didn't have the guard, you know, they didn't have the armies or Roman defense. The Roman defense. They were worried more about, you know, Rome and, and, and more towards the Mediterranean. So at this point, the King of Ireland, King Nail, Sorry, we've got nail and suck it already. <laughs> nail and suck it. Or Nile, it's N I A L L. That sounds like nail to me. Nail, yeah. So he saw Rome kind of crumbling and saw this as an opportunity. Let's go Let's go after this. He attacked the region. He actually sent a band of warriors uh, to Rome and Britain to gather as much as they could from the towns and the villages in this area. These marauders would eventually reach the village Banavem Robernay, where Patrick lived. Patrick was actually captured by what he described in his writings as pirates and was taken back to Ireland as a slave. Okay. Which is interesting, because when you think of the history between Britain and Ireland, what do you think? Britain just beats the crap out of them all day long. Exactly. And so that's what I always thought as well. I would have never thought that at some point the Irish were kidnapping the British. So that was something that that was eye-opening to me. Um, And this is actually something that's very common at this time. Uh, There are many records that show a surprising number of people were captured by the Irish and forced into slavery. Uh, One historian even writes, "In, In the slavery business, no tribe was fiercer or more feared than the Irish. They'll take you and, what, like put you to work making thick sweaters or something? Probably, you know. Okay. Doing their little uh, Irish jigs for their kings. (laughs) But it's just interesting. Like, you don't... What? I just started thinking. So he was taken as a as a as a slave. Yes. And somebody had to ask him, "Look, boy, what's your name?" And he goes, "Suck it, sir." And I just imagine him getting beaten. I asked, "What's your name?" And suck it, sir. 
And it's not like he had a manly name. Maywin, suck it. <laughs> oh my gosh, my Catholic family is probably <laughs> going to kill me after this episode. Cut out what you think they would not deem appropriate. We'll give them the edited version. <laughs> yeah, don't... Just to my family, say, don't go to iTunes here. Just take this version of it. Your British version. Flash drive. <laughs> uh, so, St. Patrick actually spent six years in captivity. So, he was captured for quite a while. The exact location of his uh, time in slavery is disputed, but it is commonly believed that he was held in or around County Mayo. Uh, as a slave, his main job was a shepherd. So he spent a lot of time by himself. And he actually writes that this made him extremely lonely and afraid. You know, I would be lonely too. And I could definitely see being afraid too. Uh, we, You see shepherds even in like biblical times having to fight off lions and bears. Absolutely, You would yeah. assume this is probably the same thing. Maybe not lions, but other th- other things. Well, wolves, I imagine, mm-hmm. would be the biggest issue in, in Ireland. Yeah. And you gotta admit, you gotta not admit, but you have to, would have to think that if he were to lose any livestock, that his owner or would absolutely probably beat him or whatever. Yeah, the days of suck it would be numbered. Yes, he could not uh, suck it any longer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so him being very lonely actually brought him to faith in Christianity. So. Although he had been raised in a very religious household, at to this point in his life, he was actually not a Christian. He didn't consider himself a Christian. He wouldn't convert to Christianity until his time of slavery. He found it as kind of solace and, and support, you know, going and believing in, in Christ. So he was raised Catholic. Yes. But he became a Christian. Well... Or do you mean he, he accepted Catholicism? He's accepted Catholicism. Okay, I gotcha. I, mean, I was going to say, it's weird... To be a saint if you're not Catholic. Right. And you got to understand, at, I, the Protestant Reformation wouldn't happen for a ton of time later. Oh, yeah. I guess this so is what, Christians were, ca- you know, Catholicism was the only form of Christianity at that time. Gotcha. During his captivity, Patrick would constantly pray and states that he would even have visions. In one of his visions, he saw the children of Ireland reaching out to him. He saw this as his calling to convert the Irish to Christianity. And this would actually obviously play a role in his future. So he thought God was telling him, hey, this is your your call in life. Around 408 AD, Patrick claims that God spoke to him in a dream. In the dream, God tells him that your ship is ready or his ship is ready. And Patrick interpreted this as a sign that it was time to escape. It, the doors were open. It was kind of like Peter walking out of the, you know, the jail cell. It, it was his time. And so this is this is pretty crazy. Now, is it 100% true? We're not sure. Um, but it is said to flee his enslavement, he walked over 200 miles to the nearest port. He was able to find a ship. He was able to find a ship. And three days later, he was out of Ireland for the time being. But 200 miles, he you would assume he probably didn't have food or, you know, he's probably living off the land for those 200 miles. I mean, it's not that much. Because if you were Scottish, you would walk 500 miles just to walk another 500 just to get back to someone you like. So, but aren't, aren't the, that band's not Scottish. They're Canadian. No. Yeah. No way. 
Yes. If I would walk 500, I'm almost positive those guys are Canadian. Scottish rock duo. <clears throat> oh, it is Scottish. Okay. You are correct, and I am wrong. It happens once in a while. Eh, it happens more than often than I would like to admit. <laughs> Please. But anyway. Uh, Suck it. <laughs> Suck it. I, do you watch The Office at all? No, I hate that show. Oh, my gosh. I, I've seen season one, but that was I tried. I tried. <sighs> you ask me this like every episode. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, anyway, maybe I'll convert you like Don't Patrick converted the Irish. I'll, I'll convert you to, like, Dumb and Dumber before. Oh, people have tried. That movie is awful. Movie Dumb is and Dumber is the worst movie. Jim Carrey is one of the absolute worst actors to ever grace this planet. I'll give you that. And we're probably going to get sued because I said that. But that but... was his greatest role, and it was awesome. <sighs> no. Pet Detective was good, too. Ugh, no. Actually, I've never seen Pet Detective, I just so I thought he was a really quiet bird. <laughs> little blind kid petting the headless bird. Come on, dude. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh... That was maybe the one funny scene in that entire movie. <laughs> ah, I want to make this podcast an hour already. Oh, my goodness. Talking. Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, upon his return to Britain, St. Patrick had yet another revelation. In another dream, an angel came to him and told him that he would return to Ireland to be a missionary. This led Patrick to seek an education and become a priest. He began his religious training with the Catholic Church and studied for fifth years my word so how old is he now because he escaped when he was what 22 about 22 and so now we're looking at what 37 he didn't really get to ireland until he was almost 40 oh my god yeah so he didn't really start his mission work until much later in life wow okay but i just thought that was insane like it took him 15 years to study like that's he, I, I hope the guy knew the bible frontwards backwards upside down like maybe he had add maybe but for somebody that was called to do something, it still it took him a long time. Yeah, God's got his own timing, though. And he does. We he all does. Know this. So he studied in France and entered the priesthood under the leadership of Saint Germain. Now, I don't know if you're—I know you're a paranormal guy. Do you have you ever heard of the name Saint Germain? I have. Okay, I don't think it's the same—the same Saint Germain. But I read this and I—I've wanted to cover Saint Germain in one of our episodes. I don't know if I will because it's a really convoluted story with with Saint Germain, um, but anyway, and that that just brought that up. But in fourteen, sorry, in four eighteen, he was ordained as a deacon by the Bishop of Auxerre, A U X E R R E. In four thirty two, he would finally fulfill his goal of going back to Ireland to be a missionary. He was ordained as a bishop, then was sent by Pope. Celestine the first to Ireland. His main goals were to support the Christians already living in Ireland and also spread the gospel to the pagans of Ireland. This does disprove one common notion that a lot of people think that St. Patrick actually brought Christianity to Ireland. He didn't. There were already, there was a there was a very small community already there. The religion really didn't take a hold of Ireland until St. Patrick came. Okay. So this makes me question, Ireland was pretty pagan at the time. Like Very pagan. So in their Catholicism, do they keep any of their pagan traditions? Yes. That's why St. Patrick was so successful. And because we'll, he allowed it. He didn't say just stringent, this is the way it has to go. Yep. 
And we'll talk about that a little bit. He actually kind of melds the two together. Gotcha. Okay. But before we go into that, I think this is a good time to take a little break. And sure. uh, we'll come back and talk about him converting Ireland. We'll be back after these messages. And we are back from a rather long break. Uh, yes, yeah, so <laughs> short for you, long for us. Yes. Had some very interesting conversations we did. Uh, during this break. But So before the break, we were talking about St. Patrick becoming a priest, going through his studies, and eventually being sent to Ireland. And so now we're going to talk about really what made St. Patrick famous and why we celebrate St. Patrick every March 17th. When St. Patrick arrived back in Ireland, he was actually met as you would expect, with a ton of resistance. So if someone were to come to your house and tell you what you believe is wrong and you should believe this, what would you do, Cliff? It wouldn't be a good interaction. No, it would not. Knowing you would be a horrible interaction. (laughs) I would politely ask them. I'm a super nice person. On this podcast, I'm painted as this crazy redneck that waves his guns around. I would would politely ask them to leave my property. Yes, yes. And they did not politely ask him. It was a lot more resistance uh, than that. I mean, we're talking about tribal Ireland in the early 400s. So a little bit more hostile than Cliff in 2021. (laughs) (laughs) However, he did end up becoming very successful at leading people to Christianity. And he did this by understanding the spiritual practices of the Irish. And we talked about that a little bit. You were asking if St. Patrick had come in and just abolished all of the tribal beliefs and traditions. And he didn't. He actually took the time to understand what they believed in, their rituals. And he actually incorporated those into his teaching. Which would make sense if you're going to teach somebody, even outside of religion... A good, let's say, math teacher, English teacher, looks at the student, understands what their strengths are and what they believe in or are interested in, and will change their teaching to to focus in on that. They one can person. correlate the two together. Exactly. If you have an athlete who thinks that you know math is stupid, but you somehow can you know correlate it to what they're interested in, you know, look at baseball and how mathematical it is now. You know, it's all about statistics and analysis and metrics i can't there's a word that i'm thinking of that i'm not it isn't coming to my brain but basically math nuts are now baseball players those types of things and you find that that interest and in, in that commonality it's successful because the person doesn't think that they're being told to change their ideas and you're also making it more relatable for that individual sure 
And this was really the first time the Irish saw somebody try to keep their traditions rather than eradicating them. So there's a lot of different things that he did, um, but some of the traditions that, that he helped keep was, uh, like for instance, to celebrate Easter, which is in the Christian community, is the celebration of the death and resurrection of Christ. He actually continued using bonfires to celebrate Christ. And the reason why he used bonfires in the Irish culture is in the Irish culture, fire was how they celebrated their gods. Okay. So it wasn't like, no, you have to do this. You have to say these prayers. You have to do this thing. It was like, okay, they're already using fire to celebrate their gods. We're still celebrating Christ. We're just doing it with their traditions and doing it with bonfires. Okay. So that was one thing that they did. Also, and this is actually a really cool symbol and something that I've actually wanted to get tattooed on my body for a long time, is the Celtic cross. So the Celtic cross was actually a link between the tribal images and symbols and the Christian teachings. So the sun was a very powerful symbol in the Irish culture at that time. And so Patrick decided to honor the symbol by incorporating it into the Christian symbol of the cross. So if you actually look at a Celtic cross, that circle that is around the center of the cross represents the sun. Okay. And if you look at most Celtic crosses, the artwork and such are from ancient, not ancient, but tribal Irish and Celtic and Gaelic cultures at this time. So he wanted to bring that in. So Patrick was also successful in his mission work by connecting with the leaders of these Celtic tribes. So if you're going to convert a group of people, the best way to do it is by getting buddy-buddy with the leader of that group. Sure, yeah. Uh, He would become very close with the leaders of these tribes and in many cases would actually challenge the Druids of the community to show these leaders that their ways were incorrect and that their magic that they were that the druids were using were useless. And so the leaders would see these challenges and see the failures of their native cultures and and their native beliefs and the leaders would then begin to believe the teachings of Patrick. And once the leader kind of followed, the rest of the tribe would then follow suit. Now, that totally makes me think of the Bible story, which now I cannot think of who it was. I think Elijah doused and, the fire or doused the wood three times yep. and then called upon God and yep. it lit up. It was, I believe it was Elijah and it was uh, the battle against the god Baal and they went to the top of Mount, I think it was Sinai, I could be wrong. Yeah, they did all these chants and things and no fire came down and Elijah, you know, put water and everything and, you know, prayed to God and God put down a pillar of fire. So, yeah, it wasn't exactly like that. We don't know. <laughs> we don't. No, no, I'm, what I'm saying is there was no stories of St. Patrick bringing down, you know, hellfire sure. on anything. But this but. sounds exactly like what he did, though. Yeah. He mm-hmm. said, hey, you know, take the Pepsi Challenger, put him side by side, mm-hmm. and we'll see what happens. Exactly. We see. We talked about this early, too, with, like, Moses, with the, the serpents. Mm-hmm. We see this a lot in both biblical and biblical times as well as Christianity after biblical time. you know. Uh, afterwards anyways like I said leaders would follow and the tribe would eventually follow suit St. Patrick's mission to Ireland was extremely successful he would spend the remainder of his life in Ireland and died nearly 30 years after starting his mission 
Uh, he died March 17th, 461. So we actually celebrate his death. Okay. Which is kind of an Irish thing to do, though. Like awake and, you know, yeah. Well, well, Irish people celebrate death, but more in birth. They celebrate death because now the pain is over their home, mm -hmm. but birth they mourn because the mother has gone through all this pain and right. now the child has a life of pain coming forth. Right. Right. No, that makes sense. Also, we don't know when he was born, so. <laughs> that, that's probably a big one too, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so when Patrick started his mission in Ireland, there was only a very minute amount of Christians. By the time he died, the number of Christians had grown exponentially and eventually Catholicism became the primary religion of Ireland and St. Patrick is now the patron saint of, of Ireland. Interesting thing, thing, though, is so he was, we see him as a patron saint. However, during this time, the whole canonization of the Catholic Church um, wasn't a thing yet. So technically, St. Patrick is actually not a saint. Oh, okay. So we view him as a saint and i think the catholic church really does consider him a saint but he didn't go through the the canonization that a typical saint would like saint uh mother teresa and, and things like that so technically in technicalities he's not a saint but we view him as a saint and everybody knows him as saint patrick okay now don't quote me fully on that because i probably have some catholic family members that will you know, say, no, you're wrong. Because I personally am not Catholic. I know bits and pieces of the Catholic faith just through friends and family. From my understanding, he technically is not a saint. Okay. So, yeah. So we're going to go into some of his legends. So I think part of the reason why St. Patrick is so well known is because of these legends. And you see some of these legends in the celebration of St. Patrick's Day. You see some of these legends be larger than life. And part of the reason why some of these legends became so big is because the traditions and the culture of the Irish at that time was word of mouth and very much making things larger than life. So a lot of these stories just, you know, you hear... It's just their heritage. It's their heritage. But it's one of those, you caught a fish. You caught a fish this big. Then you tell your friend, oh, I didn't catch a six, you know, a six inch fish. I caught a, a foot long fish. And then they tell their friends, oh man, Cliff caught a three foot, 50 pound, whatever, you know, fish. I caught the Loch Ness Monster. Exactly, exactly. And so this is kind of what happened with St. Patrick as well. Okay. Do you end up touching on why we drink for St. Patrick's Day? I, I don't. Okay. Um, I think it's just an excuse to drink. Okay. Kind of like Cinco de Mayo. Why do we drink on Cinco de Mayo? Because it's a Tuesday. <laughs> right. There's, there's no reason. Um, I, in the drinking action, and I kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, the drinking aspect of it is a very American thing. Oh, okay. So we would drink all the time. In Ireland for a long time, St. Patrick's Day was a dry day. Gotcha. But you can make money off of drinking. And, yeah. you know, Guinness is probably, their sales probably quadruple during St. Patrick's, you know, the month of March. So why not just drink? Okay. And people are probably going from America or all these other countries to Ireland going, well, I'm here to drink. And I think it just kind of became, let's all just get plastered on I never St. thought Patrick's about Day. it before. But, you know, we drink green beer and, you know, stouts. We drink the Guinness. We drink stuff like that. But I always figured it was because... 
back in the day, everybody drank beer. Yeah. So this guy was just, you know, kind of a booze hound. Maybe he uh, had his own brewery or something. Yeah. I figured that's why we all drink on St. Nope. Patty's Day. It has nothing to do with him drinking. Just alcoholic Americans. Yes, uh, alcoholic right. Americans, exactly. So a couple things. So shamrocks. So when many of us think of St. Patrick's Day, the image of a shamrock uh, comes up. And so the three-leaf clover, four-leaf clover, whatever it is. So I I always thought that the reason why we look at the shamrock is because shamrocks are all across Ireland. Ireland is a very green country. However, there's actually more of a meaning behind it. Some believe that Patrick used the shamrock to teach the Irish about the Trinity. So, oh, very cool. Yeah. Okay. They're plentiful. You, you can use them. Three different leaves, the same plant, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, it was another tool of Irish history that Patrick used to convert them as the Irish believed that the number three was sacred and also had, they also had a deep bond with nature. So this was another tool that he used taking their culture and their ideas going, Hey, there's, you've got the Trinity in your belief system, the number three is sacred, and we're going to bring this into nature using the, the shamrock. Okay. Uh, like I said, some believe this. There's also the idea that this was just romanticized and that it was kind of just added to, like I said, exaggerate Patrick's life as we really don't see the mention of a shamrock until later British writings. So there was nothing in, in, in St. Patrick's writings. He didn't really mention a shamrock, but we start seeing it pop up in stories later on. So the Brits just, he was, uh, he's here in Ireland and hey, what's Irish? Shamrocks. Okay, we'll, right. we'll tie this together. Exactly, exactly. So the next legend, which we've mentioned multiple times, is ridding Ireland of snakes. Okay, So many people believe that the reason why we celebrate St. Patrick is because he got rid of all the snakes in Ireland. And if you go to Ireland today, guess what they don't have? Snakes. So clearly he was successful at getting rid of all the snakes, right? The legend states that Patrick was going through a 40-day fast on the top of the hill Terra, and suddenly these snakes just appeared and started attacking him. Uh, he fought back and drove them all into the sea, and that he banished them from any sort of Irish or British soil. And the reason why there's no snakes is because St. Patrick defeated them. Okay. So that's another reason why we celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Although there's some. no fact behind it. However, that. evidence shows and suggests that Ireland is just too cold for snakes. So that there's really no way for them to actually live there. And the Ice Age kept Ireland cool until about 10,000 years ago. And after that, the surrounding seas were enough to deter any sort of reptile. So, so it's kind of like Dave the Dragon Slayer. Like, hi, I'm Dave the Dragon Slayer. What? We don't need a dragon slayer. There's no dragons. Yeah, it's because I'm good at my job. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of like there's no snakes. We'll just say he did it. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Another, once again, just the culture of telling these elaborate stories and they built him up to be this great and mighty thing. Okay. So um, unfortunately, it doesn't look like he actually drove out any snakes. It's kind of William Wallace-esque, isn't it? To an extent. I think William Wallace had a lot more facts to drive his story. We really don't know much about St. Patrick. It was a lot more recent, though. Things the the further we get into the future, the more we write stuff down. Mm -hmm. So that may have been why. Yeah, nothing was written down back. Well, then. and yeah, it was it was very much a verbal culture. Yeah, 
And the languages that were that were spoke in Ireland back then, dead languages for the now. most part, are probably dead languages. I'm a, I'm assuming they probably spoke some sort of Gaelic. It was uh, Breton, wasn't it? Huh? Was it Breton that they spoke? In Ireland, I believe it was Gaelic, um, or some sort of version of that. But I mean, and, and you got to understand, it's tribes too. So each tribe is probably going to have a different language or a variation of a language. For instance, I mean, even if you look at, um, even if you look at Native American tribes, you know, they all speak different languages, even though they live in f- similar proximity to one one another. But what do you look at? What did you see with with Breton languages? Let's see. Oh, I was way wrong. Well, maybe not way wrong. It's a southwestern Britonic language of the Celtic language family spoken okay. in modern day France. Okay. So, I mean, it's one of those things where they're all offshoots of kind of the same thing, but they were different. But, gotcha. Um, that could be one reason why we don't have much on, on St. Patrick. So, another, not really legend, this is actually written, but it's it's kind of a mystery. So, St. Patrick saw his missionary work to Ireland as penance. Do you know what penance is? Uh, you're told that you have to pay in life. So, penance, I guess to an extent, but it's it's a big thing in the Catholic community. Like, when you, when you sin, you have to do a certain deed or do certain deeds in order to be forgiven. Or... Gotcha. So, part of... Obviously, he was called to Ireland, but he believes that he was called because of a, what he calls a grave sin that he committed as a young man. Uh, he viewed this as the reason why he was being persecuted by locals and such during his mission. So in his writings, he revealed that someone close to him actually disclosed his early sins to the bishops. And what he says is, quote, They brought up against me after 30 years something I had already confessed, something I had done one day, rather in one hour when I was young. So... he. It, he never says what he did, and there's a lot of debate. Did he kill somebody? Did he, you know, commit some sort of sexual sin? Um, but he believed that it was such a bad thing that he did that he was... Obviously, he enjoyed what he eventually... It was his calling. He enjoyed what he did. But he believed that the reason why he was called to do that was because of this grave sin that he committed. Hmm, okay. Like I said, he never elaborated on what specific deed he had done, um, but we can only imagine, you know, what may have gone on in his early years. We all do stupid stuff. Sure. Um, we we're not either we're not educated enough, or we don't have the life experience to make good decisions when we're younger. And so he did something that he felt was so bad that he had to do this for the rest of his life. Okay. So, thought that was interesting. Uh, another story of St. Patrick, not really a story of St. Patrick, but okay. We already talked about we already talked about shamrocks. What else do you think of when you think St. Patrick's Day? What is like the biggest thing that you see on St. Patrick's Day? Green. Okay, that is what the answer I was looking for. So, Did he go around pinching people if they weren't wearing green? <laughs> I wish that was true. Uh. So when we think of St. Patrick's Day, green is the color of choice. Everything is green. Heck, the city of Chicago dyes their entire river mm-hmm. green. Okay, we get green Guinness, green everything. Okay, so St. Patrick actually preferred the color blue, <laughs> and many believe he never actually wore the color green. 
Okay. So I thought that was a little bit interesting. We so, but St. Patrick's Day is Irish. Ireland's green. It's the Emerald right. Isle, you know. So. Right. And that's the thing is, is St. Patrick's Day has morphed into the celebration of, of Ireland. Ire- Irish history and Celtic history. I wouldn't even say it's history. Heritage. I, yeah, Heritage. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, that's a better a better term. But although we are, you know, still celebrating St. Patrick, we are still... Uh, it's turned into more of a celebration of, of Ireland. And the last one, and I think you're going to get... Especially of our suck it conversations that we've been having. <laughs> so one final story that I thought was really funny is... There is a brief history where he... He refused to suck on a man's breast. <laughs> so there's a story about this. So apparently the act of sucking a man's breast in this time was this like submission. So after escaping slavery, <laughs> Patrick fled uh, to the to Ireland, to the east side of Ireland, where he boarded a, a ship set off for, for Britain. It was a British ship. And the captain of this ship actually tried to force Patrick into sucking his breast oh to acknowledge God. his position as a common gesture of the time. Common. Common gesture of the time. So I guess the act of doing this was a ritual that was often demanded by passengers believed and... Uh, believed to need authority during the, these crossings. Especially, like, in his case, he was just trying to beg his way onto a ship. So, apparently, you were supposed to suck the dude's tit, you know? And that guy's name? Uh, we we don't know. McGee. Tits McGee. <laughs> Even though Patrick refused to do this, he was still allowed on and eventually got back to Britain. <laughs> now, that's not what he did when he was younger that made him have to pay his penance, is it? That he lied about sucking that guy's tit. <laughs> Maybe he didn't suck the tit, and then he was like, oh, I can't let that one out. With the last lady, like, suck it? Come on. So he's like, oh, I never did it. But I'm paying pittance, but I won't tell you what for. I just want to know, like, what? how is that a thing? <laughs> uh, come to Papa. Like, I guess, is that like the modern day handshake? <laughs> Some people kiss the cheek, others suck the tit. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, going into work and your boss being, like, to show that I have authority? Suck my boob. No. Oh, my gosh. Suck my breast. Hairy nipples. (laughs) (laughs) Especially way back in the day, when hygiene wasn't exactly on par with what it is today. I cannot imagine some big, fat, sweaty dude being like, (laughs) Now that you're aboard my ship, I need you to pay your... <laughs> you start, oh. Some people want a few shillings. Some just want a good suck of the tit. Oh. Uh, anyway, uh, maybe thought... he just got it. Maybe he told him to suck it, and he's just like, "Yes, sir, that's me, <laughs> right here. Suck it. Yep, that's me." <laughs> you. <laughs> I mean, uh, and this is our last episode. Yes. <laughs> yes, that is. This is probably going to be our last oh. episode. <laughs> Dear goodness. Anyway, that's really all I have in the life of St. Patrick. I still think it is very interesting that we have a, a whole day set aside for this guy. I think there probably is more behind it. I think it's more of a, a Catholic and Irish tradition that has kind of morphed into what we see today. Well, I think when 
the Irish were immigrating to America in, in hordes like they were back in the 1900s, early eight or bleh, late 18 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, they brought their their culture with them, mm-hmm. and they started celebrating it. Americans yeah. saw it as a day to party, just yeah. like Cinco de Mayo, like you know you mentioned earlier. Right. And I think because we like to drink and we like to have fun and take a day off, yeah, it's it's morphed into a a holiday for us. Right. Right. I think part of it too is is it was some it was a way for Irish people to kind of have that camaraderie once a year. To have that that moment where they get to celebrate their them not themselves but they get to celebrate something from back home yeah and it has morphed into what we see it today and I love St Patrick's Day and you know it's coming up here but when this when this episode does air which will be it'll be about a week out um, but it's something that I treasure it's something that I have fun with it'll be something that I get to passed down to my son and things like that is it exactly what we probably should be celebrating or the way we should be celebrating it no but we get to learn about our you know being an irishman myself i get to learn about my history i get to pass down those traditions in my irish heritage to my son uh, which is pretty cool, but look at you with your Irish privilege. I'm over here german well if you actually <laughs> we look- don't celebrate our history <laughs> or you shouldn't at least nine um but yeah, it's it's a great day to celebrate. I'm excited. But what do you what did you learn in today's episode? Pretty much everything. Okay. Because my extent of knowledge about St. Patrick was oh, he's an Irish dude that rid the Emerald Isle of snakes. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. I, honestly, I thought he lived a lot later than he did. So did I. So I. I was thinking like 14th century kind of thing. I didn't think first century. Exactly. So I learned. Well, he didn't learn. It wasn't first century. It was third. It was fourth and fifth century. You said it was... 300, which would be 4th century. Oh, jeez. That's what I meant. Okay. Sorry. Um, first... What's the first thousand years called? Millennium? Yeah, the first millennial. First millennium. Uh, so, yeah, first whatever it is. So, I didn't know that. I thought he was way later on I, w- I did, too. And I probably will keep some of this in, but I stumbled a little bit. I kept saying, like, 14-something. And I was like, I saw oh, that. 4... No, 483. But, anyway, I learned a ton. I new bits and pieces here and there i heard about the snakes um i thought he was irish i thought i think that was the biggest one i you think saint patrick you think ireland you think irish he was not irish obviously he changed the history and the culture of ireland for thousands of years and it is still a predominantly catholic country and that is all thanks to to saint patrick whether that's good or bad but it, it, it because of him that is why it is a predominantly Catholic country. Well, and you you really have to recognize the influence he had. Someone coming that wasn't Irish mm-hmm. and becoming such an Irish figure. Mm-hmm. What's the word I'm looking for? It's not a figure. It's a... Icon. Icon. Okay. He, he's an icon now mm-hmm. and has been for years and years and for years. For thousands. Literally thousands of years. Even though he was a, a British dude. Yeah. You know? So, today, can you imagine someone from... I don't know. Uganda coming to America and becoming an icon like St. Patrick to oh, the yeah. Irish. I, I, I can't see it happening. It would be super cool. It'd be interesting. And yeah. Uga- I just picked a country. Yeah. Uzbekistan. I don't know. Oh, no, no, no. I see, what you, I see what you're saying. Like in, you know, in a thousand years, maybe, maybe there is somebody that comes, you know, whatever it may be. But yeah, I, I think, I think you're right. It's, it's, it's something that we don't necessarily think of today and, and wouldn't expect today. Yeah. Well, typically your your folk heroes come from within. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Very interesting, though. I did learn a lot. Yeah, so did I. Pretty much everything I knew about him was wrong, which wasn't much. <laughs> well, we, we all learn sometimes. Yeah. So. Well, today was an interesting episode, a little bit shorter than our typical episode. But everybody, have a great St. Patrick's Day. I know it's next week, but be safe, have fun, spend time with your family, friends, enjoy yourself, be safe. I know we've all kind of had a crazy year. I can't believe we're coming up on one year of the COVID. Of COVID. Can't wait till this thing ends. But Cliff, how can they get in touch with us? You can get in touch with us through email would be the easiest way. Humanizinghistory at gmail.com. You can get us on Reddit. You can get us on Facebook. You can get us on Twitter. You can find us anywhere. Everything will be in the show notes. If you're having a hard time finding us, just look in the show notes, and it'll tell you exactly how to get a hold of us. Yep, and if you want to be part of the introduction, we're running low on some introductions. We would love to hear from you guys. Hit us up on Anchor. Send us your clips. We would love to feature you on the episode. And hey, if you out there have a podcast, have some sort of stream, and want to do a little collaboration, feel free. Uh, we would love to have you featured on the show. Absolutely. And one more thing before we do sign off. For St. Patrick's Day, if you have not seen Boondock Saints, it isn't an Irish movie, but it is an amazing movie that's very heavily influenced by Irish culture. Yes. And it is amazing. So sit down, grab a few beers, maybe some friends, and watch this movie if you haven't seen it. But if you are under the age of 17, do not watch this movie. (laughs) Yes. Laws permitted... (laughs) can't believe we have to say that but yes laws permitted watch age appropriate material drink when it's age appropriate <laughs> right exactly exactly but yeah if you were over 21 watch your movie enjoy <laughs> it it's it's a great movie yes get your guinness get your jameson Ooh. and have a have a great evening some whiskey sounds good mm, i just finished some but <laughs> anyway thanks guys great episode love to hear from you hope you guys all have a great evening. Yeah. Love you guys. Love each other. Be nice. Bye. Peace out.